I'm Tavis Smiley, and I'm delighted to have you with us today uh, in this hour, which is going to be fascinating. Two conversations uh, at the top and the bottom of the hour. We'll talk about the bottom when we get to the bottom. Uh, but let's uh, let's start at the top. Uh, why not? Uh, our, our guest is, is Morgan Jerkins. Morgan, let me just say before we even get into this conversation, uh, and you just heard, of course, some nice sound of uh, many of the films uh, that star Italian icons that black folks seem to be in love with, enthralled with. For some reason, we haven't even started yet. We haven't even started yet. I just teased the conversation with you and I'm getting mail like crazy already. Let me just read one thing uh, that we just got. Hey, Tavis, I hope your next conversation will expand beyond black fascination and fetishizing of Italians in motion pictures to include the hip hop embrace of Italian personas, Irv Gotti, Gucci Mane at all. To borrow your pet phrase, Tavis, I could run the list. Oh, and don't forget about Spike Lee's recurring fixations on and forays into Italian and Italian-American interaction with black people. That's just one message. I got a whole bunch of them. I had the time to read them, Morgan. Uh, but welcome to this program. Good to have you on. How are you today? I'm doing great. I was actually grooving to that intro, and I was like, I got to focus. I was with <laughs> a definitely huge smile on my face. I'm so excited to chat with you today. No, I'm good. I'm delighted to have you on. We can thank we can thank our, our our producer Emiliano for putting that piece together. It gives you some some flavor, some texture, as we say around here, mm-hmm. uh, for what we're going to talk about here for the next thirty minutes or so. So yep. you you heard, you you heard the comment that I just that I just read. Um, there there is a fascination. Uh, one could argue an obsession that hip-hop culture has with Italian life, and we love uh, these Italian stars. As I said, think Al Pacino and Scarface. You just heard Sylvester Stallone and Mm -hmm. Rocky, uh, the Mm all-star cast in The Godfather. Let me just jump right in. What is the fascination that black folk have with these Italian characters? Well, I want to dial it back again because I I think that the person who asked the question in the letter, which I'm so glad they asked, talking about the, the fetishizing of Italian-American screen icons. And I think that that word is really sharp, but I would gently disagree because I think fetishizing Italian-American screen icons is making, dehumanizing them. That's Mm -hmm. what a fetish is. Mm -hmm. And I think that Black Americans knew more than perhaps even arguably mainstream America how important these characters were because someone might see a gangster. We see someone trying to provide for their family. Someone is trying to learn how to hustle and get further ahead because they realize that the American dream is a fallacy. It was never a, you know, a meritocratic ideal in this country. And so that's why I think the fascination comes from. We understand that family is important. Loyalty is important. There is a sort of code switching that goes when you walk in the streets, whether you're talking to when you're in a business room, you're talking to wasps, for mm-hmm. lack of a better phrase. And it's that duality there that I think black people resonate with a lot. And also because historically we lived beside them for many, many years, whether it was in the South or whether it was an urban sprawl in places like Philadelphia mm-hmm. or New York. And so that's where this, this fascination, but also I want to say tension too, because mm-hmm. obviously it's always harmony. When you're thinking about so-called economic anxiety, racism and bigotry, classism, there's bound to be, uh, ac- you know, acrimonious events that can stir up. And that, and that has happened, whether we see it in Spike Lee uh, mm-hmm. with Jungle Fever, 
for example, or or we or we see it in, in real life uh circumstances. I think there was there was actually a big story years ago about there was Italian and black um a violent act that happened in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. So it, it you know, life, you know, art imitates life. Yeah. Um, I got a lot of questions for you. I'm glad I got a few minutes with you. Um, uh, when we come forward, I want to start with this. Um, what fascinated Morgan Jerkins about the subject matter to get her to write about it? Uh, she's a Vanity Fair writer. Uh, and I'm just curious um, as to uh, how she even uh, decided that she'd spend her time um, uh, unpacking and addressing and interrogating this uh, this relationship, this fascination that so many of us black folks seem to have with Italian culture, Italian characters, Italian life. Just getting started with Morgan, Morgan Jerkins. Say that fast three times. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward. Ready to re-examine your assumptions and expand your inventory of ideas? More of Tavis Smiley coming your way right now. On the backside of this hour, a conversation with celebrated drummer Gregory Hutchinson about his debut solo album called Da Bang. After years of playing behind some amazing artists like Wynton Marsalis, Diana Krall, Harry Connick Jr., Joshua Redman, uh, he's on his own now. We'll talk to drummer Gregory Hutchinson on the B side of this hour. We continue now, though, with Morgan Jerkins uh, and this provocative piece she's written, um, uh, Vanity Fair writer. Morgan, tell me how you got, how did, how did this subject fascinate you enough to spend time writing about it? So it, it's a little bit of a reverent origin. Um, I last year I was having a conversation with one of my closest friends um, and also a mentor of mine. He's also a journalist and he's he's Jewish. His mm-hmm. name is Elon Green, and I was ha- and I was talking about people who I love to profile. And one of the people I said was Robert De Niro. And mm. I said, I really believe Robert De Niro would talk to me because I'm a black woman. <laughs> and, 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 he, and, he, and he was hysterical. He was like, why? He's like, what? I'm like, listen, I said, Robert De Niro likes black women. That's I'm true. Like, I, and, and black women love Robert De Niro. And I just kept joking about it. And he said, you know, I think there's a story there. And I didn't initially believe there was because when something is so ingrained in a culture, you think, and it's so insular, you think that you're just saying the obvious. But when I really started to do a deep, deeper dive of trying to research, well, I'm from South Jersey. What are the demographics of South Jersey? Um, and and why is it that we have this affinity for Ital- Italian American cinema? Is it is it is it sociocultural? Is it geographical? And then you start, I started expanding wider into looking up migratory patterns. Um, and also the, the changes in culture overall, like from the, from the early 19th century, the early mm-hmm. 20th century, all the way into the 21st century. And that's when it became mm. a piece of itself. But the more I start to speak to people, whether it was scholars or film critics or, or even uh, rappers, I realized that this could this is a story. And it, and it was just so freaking fun writing it. Yeah. T- tell me what you heard from the rappers about their fascination, say, with uh, Tony Montana, uh, Al Pacino and Scarface. Yeah. So, I mean, DJ Quick, for one, was so gregarious. Um, and, and as soon as he spoke, he it felt like I was transported back to early 80s a Southern California neighborhood, majority black and brown, and the Scarface VHS tape just started circulating. At that time, as we know, um, the crack epidemic was happening. Mm-hmm. So there was already this hustler mentality going on, as well as large in, in a larger 80s uh, era, there was more consumerism, there was more greed. So to see this character 
rise from a working class uh, urban neighborhood like Miami to a big old mansion, even though he, you know, he dies at mm-hmm. the end. Um, it's biblical. Um, you know, what is it for a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Oh, yeah. Um, it's a cautionary tale. But it also is just that decadence, like DJ Quick says, and I even quoted it in my piece, that is hip-hop. The flamboyance, the braggadocio, all of that is our components of Tony Montana's personality. Mm-hmm. The quote from, uh, from Quick in the piece is, it romanticizes the decadence and excess that is hip-hop. Um, said yes. quick, uh, said quick to Morgan Jerkins um, in this particular piece. So t- tell me, so tell me more about you. You mentioned a number of things that you researched, migratory patterns, and uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, tell me, tell me uh, more about your research and what I'm pressing toward are some of the conclusions that you draw in the piece about this relationship, born of the research. Yes, that's a great question. Thank you. So one of the things that I want to go back to um, is emancipation, mm-hmm. right? So you have many, many black Americans living in the South and they're wanting to move. They're wanting to get away from the plantation economy. And this is important to remember because once they do that, well, who's going to work these sugarcane plantations? Who's going to work these cotton fields? That opens up the, the gate, no pun intended, for Southern Italian immigration. And I want to emphasize it being Southern Italy because Southern Italians, once they got to America, they were discriminated against a lot of times because of their darker skin, Mm -hmm. their darker hair and things of that nature. And so they were outsiders, just like black Americans were outsiders. However, Italians did become white Mm -hmm. through assimilation in a way that black people cannot. They will never be able to do. So I just want to make sure that's clear. But the reason why what I drew from, from, from that type of research as well as these other interviews, is that African-Americans resonate with Italian-American screen icons, even with the bigotry they see, because they understand what it's like to exist on the margins. And Italians understand what it's like to exist on the margins. They understand that Preston from Greenwich, Connecticut, who is a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, doesn't really see them as one of their own either. Mm -hmm. And that is something that is tangible for over half a century in American cinema, you see it from the, well, I can go even further. You see that with Italian American cinema all the way in 1906 with these mafioso characters, but particularly when Godfather comes out in the 70s, that's when you see American morality has changed. Because of Watergate and the end of Vietnam War, we see all these people who were supposed to exalt, we see them as unsavory characters now. We're turning the system inside out. And that is why I believe that movies like The Godfather are still canonical to this day because you're exposed to the hypocrisy of these these very restrictive systems. Mm. What do you make of the fact, uh, I mentioned this earlier, what do you make of the fact that uh, Barack Hussein Obama um, <laughs> has, has said on more than one occasion that his favorite film, uh, his favorite trilogy is The Godfather. This is Barack Obama who loves The Godfather. What do you make of that? Because the thing about it is, it's like The Godfather is that movie. Mm. You know what I mean? And that was actually one of my fears writing it, is that I I was afraid that someone was going to say, well, everybody loves The Godfather, right? Because it's considered one of the best films ever made, point blank, period. Mm -hmm. But I think that we have to remember who the audience is that are watching it. And I personally believe that a black American watching The Godfather is not going to be the same as 
someone else of a different group watching the Godfather, and that deserves its own platform to expound upon. And that and that difference is that difference is, is what exactly? Well, I would. Well, I think for Black Americans, it's like this idea of of, of a family of a dynastic family who is loyal to one another, who goes through trials and tribulations too. And I'm not, and I don't want to just skirt about violence. Sure, 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 sure. But, but it's also extremely well written. You see the different layers of not only going from poor to rich, but also entering into these, these very secretive millions of white culture. And that's why I point out in The Godfather 2, you see Mike Corleone, he's, he's a Dartmouth alumnus. He, he married a wasp. Um, who converts to Catholicism for him, but that's besides the point. And when he's trying to create these deals, the white guy says to him, white boss presenting, that, you know, I don't like your kind. He straight mm. up says that. And how many, and, and, and I bet you can find many black people that have heard that type of iteration somewhere. Yeah. You mentioned this, you mentioned this earlier, uh, Morgan, but let me just ask you point blank. How much mm-hmm. of the fascination you think has to do with economics? Put another way, that at the epicenter of many of these stories is, as you mentioned, this rags to riches tale. Absolutely, because that is American life itself. It, it, it's this capitalism, right? We want to we want to make money. We want to make money. We want to we want to be able to be stable, and we want to get more money. That 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 is definitely an undercurrent. But that ability to make money, that ability to sustain oneself and sustain one's family, obviously, that becomes complicated depending on. Your station, mm-hmm. socioeconomically, or when you start off, and also racially and ethnic, ethnically, and that's what creates these these timeless stories. Let, 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 let me let me flip it on you. So at least I warned you in advance. I'm about to flip it completely. Oh, okay. All, All right. right. All so right. we've been talking. We've been talking about what and you mentioned tension earlier in this relationship. We'll get to the tension in a moment. As a matter of fact, I think this question will segue us into a, a dialogue about the tension. We've been talking, and I wanted to have you on because the piece is so powerfully uh, addressing the issue of why black folk are turned on by these uh, Italians in, in in cinema in these major roles. Mm. The flip, mm-hmm. the flip side of that question is, what do Italians think of us? You know what's interesting mm-hmm. is that I, you know what's interesting is that I could point. Well, I mean, aside from Robert De Niro, I think I know what they he thinks of us. Um, <laughs> but it's funny because you know I think of certain things I would watch when I was younger, and I was like. Oh, they're really idolizing us, especially hip hop culture. Like, mm-hmm. for example, I don't know if you remember growing up, Gotti. Oh yeah, <laughs> I don't know if you remember that show. But mm-hmm. like, they loved rap. They actually appeared in I forget his name. He's a Philly-based rapper. I forget his name. But they appeared in one of his videos too. So th- there was this, there was this, there was this osmosis that was happening. It's particularly in like the early 2000s that I thought was fascinating when it came to Italian American culture and also and particularly hip hop culture, mm-hmm. um, black culture, hip hop culture. So I definitely saw that. Um, but I also think I would love to hear from them, too. Yeah. You know, I can't, I can't speak for all of them. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and I think it deserves more cross-cultural conversation. I think it does as well. I mean, it's one thing to talk about what we think of them and why we're fascinated by them and obsessed with them, et cetera, et cetera. But um, the flip side of that, again, is what they think of us, which leads me straightway now to talk about the tension um, mm. that has existed in this relationship around the country uh, from mm-hmm. time to time, which you uh, also uh, tap into in your piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's painful, right? Because... Mm-hmm. 
you could watch The Sopranos. And I remember there's one one episode where, you know, Meta was dating a, a biracial Jewish man and he straight up calls him a Sambo. <laughs> and I, 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 my mouth dried up. I have never heard that phrase in, in speech ever. Like I've read it, I've never heard it. Um, you've seen the N word thrown around, and you know, and Spike Lee's from the Italian American characters. And one thing that is is important to note about how Italians assimilated into larger white mainstream culture is by being anti-black, is mm. by propagating um, these anti-black tropes, whether it's calling someone the N word or I don't know if I can say on the radio, Moulinyan. That's a, that's a, that is a that is a slur towards black people mm-hmm. um so that you know that 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 is that that's something that that we that need to talk about like when you live side by side with another ethnic group that is on the margins of wasp culture and both of them know it there, there's bound to be both intimate relations and also violent relations and mm-hmm. they, they go hand in hand yeah on this side of your piece um how do you see do the right thing by Spike Lee. Do the right thing by Spike Lee is is so chaotic in a way that I think is amazing mm-hmm. because you have all these particular characters. It's I don't know if I can curse on here. It is hot outside, <laughs> and everybody is just and everybody is just converging <laughs> on each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and that is so New York. I've been living in New York off and on for eight years, and and particularly with Brooklyn, like. I love that Spike Lee is is able to show the microcosm that is Brooklyn and how all of these people are are, are, are in each other's lives, whether they want to be or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that's that's what I love about the movie. Yeah, um, yeah. There, there's some obviously classic scenes in in that film, but uh, as as one of our listeners said, I read that read that comment earlier. Um, that Spike seems to have an obsession with that relationship. You see it that way. You know, so I I, I don't want to be obtuse, right? But there's right. a question of it that it's like, is an obsession a pejorative? Mm. Because mm. I think mm-hmm. that for any creative person, an obsession is you find out so much about their psyche and you find out so much about what interests them. Spike Lee is, is, if I'm not mistaken, he was born and raised in New York. So he has seen these relations play out. And of course that's going to reflect in his films. And so that's what I'm interested in because I think about, for example, Scorsese. I love Scorsese. One of the best filmmakers of all time. Mm -hmm. Scorsese deals with a lot of organized crime, but does anybody look look badly at him because they think he's obsessed Mm -hmm. with it? Mm -hmm. You know, I think, I think that, you know, Obsessions don't have to be a bad thing, particularly for people who create art and do it well. Nope. I think that that's something that you just keep exploring, exploring, exploring. Nope. I, 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 let, me, let me just back up and say, when I asked the question and used the word, I did not mean it as a pejorative. So I think you're okay. right. You know, I think you're right about the fact that because you're obsessed with something doesn't mean it's got to be a pejorative. Um, and so uh, we agree on that. And I, again, just uh, for the record, didn't 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 mean it uh, to be taken uh, in that particular way. So speaking of takeaways, so what's the takeaway from your piece uh, regarding this uh, complex relationship that black folk seem to have with Italian and and Italians and Italian characters uh, in, in, in film? It's a little bit unfortunate, I think. The conclusion I have is that if you look at where we are in America right now, right? I'm based in New York, right? right. The median rent here is in Manhattan is about $5,500 a month. Minimum wages are stagnant. The earth is on fire. Um, people <laughs> can't buy homes like they used to. And the racial wealth gap still persists. 
It'd be one thing if we got our reparations and everybody had their house on the hill and their 40 acres and a mule, then we might look at films like The Godfather and and, and Tony Montana and 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 uh and Rocky, et cetera, et cetera, as being time capsules for a moment in our lives or in our elders' lives. But because we're still existing on the margins, because it's still hard to get ahead as it was for our ancestors, that's why we still go, keep going back to these movies. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why the fascination persists. And that's why I'm able to have conversations with someone who is a millennial like myself, someone who is, you know, Gen X, and even people who are, who are uh Zoomers, what they call them Zoomers, Gen Z. <laughs> yeah, nope. Um, I got 45 seconds to go here. I wonder if I can add this uh, to, the, to the mix. I wonder mm-hmm. if uh, our obsession with these films in part is because Hollywood won't give us films with black characters in roles like that. Well, I will say this. I mean, you have, uh, there are quite a few films and TV shows that have come up. Forrest Whitaker has his own TV show. The name is Vading right now. I apologize. But also Denzel Washington. I think that, that I, what I've seen the past couple of uh, years, there has been a black renaissance in Hollywood. The outpouring of TV and films with predominantly black cats, it's different. But there's still progress to be made, as always. Yep, no question about it. Uh, Morgan Jerkins is uh, is her name. Um, powerful piece um, for Vanity Fair uh, about our obsession <laughs> with these, our fascination uh, with these characters, these Italian characters. I've enjoyed this immensely, Morgan. Thanks for your time. Good to have you on the program. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley. Rank number 45 on the heavy hundred list of the 100 most important radio talk show hosts in America.